Hello and welcome to Strat News Global. I am Subrat Nanda. And joining me from Washington, D.C. is Jorge Guajardo, who has served as Mexico's ambassador to China for six years and is currently senior director at McClarty Associates. And today he will share his thoughts on how China fared in 2020 and what lies before it this year. Ambassador, welcome to the program. Nice to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. From being the ground zero of the coronavirus outbreak to being blamed for supplying substandard PPE kits to other countries and now pushing through with its vaccines, how do you assess China's performance and global standing? Okay, I think it's uh, different uh, subjects. China's performance is evidently good. They managed to control the pandemic uh, early on uh, with draconian measures that I'm not sure I want other countries to implement or I would want the country where I live in to implement. Nevertheless, they did uh, manage to control the the coronavirus and they managed to get their economy growing. I believe China's is the only major economy that is growing or that grew in 2020 and, and is poised to grow at a fastest rate in 2021. So in that sense, China China did well. However, on its international standing, I think China lost a lot of ground. I think China became seen uh, for what it is, which is a country that does not respect uh, truth, that does not respect international agreements, that will always uh, put itself first in the international community, even when it's a common good like health, uh, and the same applies to free trade, uh, to climate change. So I think even though China clearly manage the situation well and and the authorities will be taking a victory lap for that or i would not believe that china did well in the international scene or that china is better positioned now than it was in 2019 before this happened from border aggression with india cracking down on dissent and personal freedoms in hong kong threatening taiwan and having acrimonious exchanges with a host of countries in the south china sea and even australia china has shown remorseless belligerence what is Xi Jinping out to achieve? You know, I think it's appealing to nationalism. Nationalism is the authoritarian ruler's playbook for time immemorial. Always appeal to na- they always appeal to nationalism in order to, to hide their faults or their lack of democracy or their authoritarian rule. They're always defending, claim to be defending their people from outside aggressors. And, and I think that's what he's doing. I think he's doing a lot of damage to China's image in the long term in order to get a short-term approach. There is this myth, uh, and and it is one of the most widely spread myths, that China always thinks in the long term. Uh, And it goes back to a hypothetical or, or I think, a a mythical question that Shou Enlai was asked, uh, what he thought about the French Revolution, and that he said it was too soon to tell. And and, and that is always used uh, to sort of uh, try to explain how China thinks in the long term. I think China is exactly does exactly the opposite. They always think short term, sort of in the live to fight another day mentality. And I think what they're doing right now as they approach uh, the world is just thinking short term to prop up Xi Jinping internally as he comes to his 10-year mandate deadline, where I believe he will try to remain in power. So they're trying to prop him up. And they do that with a short-term mentality that will come back to haunt them in the long term internationally. What's your assessment of Xi Jinping's signature project, the Belt and Road Initiative? It doesn't seem to have gone as planned. 
So I, I don't think that's a signature project. I think that's a signature branding. China was doing that, which was pretty much financing infrastructure projects around the world in order to allocate its uh, excess capacity since before Xi Jinping. All he did was sort of brand it and say that it entailed a grand vision. It didn't. It was the same thing that was happening before uh, he came to power with Hu Jintao. They were doing the exact same thing uh, in Hambantota, in Venezuela, in Sri Lanka. Uh, I'm sorry, not uh, in... In Africa, it's not a signature project. It's just a sort of a, an attempt to allocate its industrial excess capacity, particularly in industries like cement, steel, glass, petrochemicals, which are producing an excess capacity, and yet they are afraid of shutting them down for fear of the unemployment that would cause and the social unrest that may garner. So. They're just exporting that uh, excess capacity and sort of labeling it as, as a grand vision. It's not. It's a branding mechanism. And I don't, one, I don't feel too threatened by it. Two, I don't think it's going anywhere. Amid concerns over data theft and surveillance, China has been trying hard to hard sell the Huawei 5G abroad. But at home, it has been ruthless in curbing entrepreneurial freedom. We have reports of Jack Ma missing after he criticized the government. Does this make business sense? Yes. I mean, on the one hand, uh, China claims that Huawei or, or, or more Huawei claims to be an independent entity. But when Canada arrests on U.S. request Meng Wanzhou, the CFO of Huawei, China reacts as if a state actor is being arrested. So and China threatens other countries according to whether they allow Huawei to operate in that country or not, as if Huawei was a state-owned enterprise or, or a entity of the state that would require a diplomatic bilateral government intervention in a way other countries don't do for their industry. So, so I guess uh, that gives pause to countries on whether Huawei is actually as private as it claims to be or uh, it is government-controlled. I think it is fair to assume that any company in China uh, does report to the government in ways that private companies don't do in liberal countries. What do you make of China's vaccine diplomacy? On the, on the first hand, my first reaction is that it's good and hopefully China does develop its vaccine. I think the verdict is still out. I believe uh, there are some reports that one of its vaccines has tested in the UAE proved with a high incidence of, of success and, and provided that China can actually manufacture and distribute the vaccines to other or share the vaccine with other countries in the world. I think that's very good and I think that's very favorable as long as China does not try to use that in order to coerce countries into doing its bidding or trying to curtail liberties in other countries. For instance, what they're trying to do with Australia in terms of trade, in which they say we will trade with you only in as much as your free press does not criticize China, as your think tanks do, do not investigate China or ask questions on China. See, when China tries to do that, then my feeling is there's no point in engaging China because they're just going to try to threaten the liberal world order. So if they try to do the same with a vaccine, that's a big threat to the world. If they don't and just use it as a common good that a vaccine would be, it would be fantastic. However, as I just said before, China does not have a long history of putting the common good ahead of its own. This year, what are the challenges before China? And with Joe Biden set to take over as U.S. president, will the relationship turn a new leaf? 
No, I don't think the relationship with the United States uh, will turn much. If anything, it may get a little more complicated because the United States will be able to bring in more allies in pushing back on China in a way that uh, President Trump's America first uh, going it alone diplomacy was not able to. Also, things have changed and there is much more ill will in the world against China because uh, of the way they have shown that they don't respect the international treaties that they agree to, as is the case with Hong Kong or yeah. the free trade agreement with Australia, that they don't respect human rights as they've proven in Xinjiang, Mongolia and Tibet. So, so I think uh, China will be facing a world that is much more skeptical and dubious of it. And, and that will strengthen the U.S.'s hand in terms of forming alliances. I also think China will face internal pressures uh, as its debt continues growing. I, I think China has a complicated uh, path going forward. It, it, it will not be all smooth sailing as some of the press uh, tend to portray things. What do you make of the recent EU-China investment deal? I think it's very unfortunate that the EU would uh, agree to this deal at this time. Clearly, they had been trying to accomplish this for a while. I believe they started negotiations in 2013 and China was in no way pressured or interested in making any concessions that would uh, bring them on board. China is very good at uh, pushing the, kicking the ball down uh, the road. So I think China managed to convince the EU that they were making significant concessions to bring the EU on board. And that's a big diplomatic uh, win for China. I don't think it'll amount to much. I don't think the Europeans will not uh, accomplish much through it. Uh, China says it will address issues as soon as possible. Uh, and China, again, has a history of saying they will address issues as soon as possible, that being whenever they feel like it or never. I'll give you an example. In 2001, uh, when China joined the World Trade uh, Organization, they said they would address government procurement uh, issues as soon as possible, meaning that government, Chinese government procurement would not be limited uh, for buying to buying Chinese products, but could actually that international buyers or sellers could sell to the Chinese government. That's a WTO TO provision that China said they would agree as soon as possible in 2001. It's now 2021. Nothing has changed. So anytime you sign an agreement with China saying as soon as possible, to me, it means nothing. And that is much of what the EU managed to get. I, I think it was ill-advised of the EU to agree to this signing, and I, I somewhat understand them after four years of Trump attacking them and America first, but we're just around the corner from a U.S. administration that has clearly signaled that they intend to work uh, with European in a new way, so, so it's unfortunate that, they, uh, that the European Union would choose this time uh, to succumb to Chinese pressure to sign this agreement. On that note, Ambassador, thanks very much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you too.